The Florida Gators aren't going anywhere on the recruiting trail, and John Garcia from Sports Illustrated is going to talk to us about it. Find out here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. I am Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon, as you can see on the bottom left of your screen. You can also find my written work with Whole Nine Sports and GiantsCountryOfSI.com. And on September 1st, which is a Thursday, you can find me at the social at Midtown in Gainesville. That is 7 p.m. We're going to have live Locked On Gators Friday, September 2nd, 5.30 p.m. live Locked On Gators. But for today, we're going to be joined by John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting and Locked On Recruiting Insider. Joining me now for Locked On Gators is John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting and Locked On's Recruiting Insider. But before we get into anything, I think LinkedIn Jobs should be the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. And now we're talking about Florida Gators recruiting. But first, I want to say, um, I don't know what you're drinking, but I'm hoping it's an Irish coffee since you just had to record with those Miami guys. So uh, I'm just going to say that one real quick. Just got to take my jab at them. But uh, now Florida had a massive recruiting weekend on the defensive side and on the defensive line, really. Uh, But with Kelby Collins, a new highest ranked commit for the Florida Gators class, what does his commitment mean for the Florida Gators? Oh, Brandon, it's it's a ton. By the way, it's Cafe Bustelo, Cuban coffee, by the way. Um, look, this this was a banner get on so many levels, right? Let's let's go optics first, right? Because perception recruiting, that's all important. Optically, you go into Birmingham and get a defensive lineman Nick Saban wants 45 minutes away from you know his house. That that alone screams, okay, this thing is headed in the right direction, which we already knew, but it's it's more tangible at this point. Uh, two, you continue a pipeline into the state of Alabama that has become kind of interesting. You know, Florida is going to be one of these teams that it feels like it's going to pluck a guy, two or three guys at every single cycle, right? Uh, you capped it last year, right when Billy got hired with Shamar James, who's, you know, one of the best linebackers in the country. Now you're following it up with Kelby Collins, different part of the state of Alabama, but another guy, again, head to head with Nick that you want out for on defense. And then the third thing, most importantly here, position of need. This is one of those areas where Florida has to revamp and reinvent itself. Billy Napier knows this being, you know, being in the SEC and the ACC and the Pac-12 and the group of five, you got to establish in the trenches first and getting a point of attack star in Kelby Collins, I think is as as quintessential a, a, satisfied need as as there really was out there for Florida in this entire class. Yes, you needed a quarterback. Yes, you needed to revamp the wide receiver core that that needs an overhaul. All those things, yes. O-line, probably the priority the rest of the way. Yes, yes, yes. But you really have to do it in the trenches on defense first. If you're going to compete, 
in the SEC, particularly the East, right? You got to think about it. I mean, I know we all talk about college ball spreading out, pass first and all that. And look, that's important. But in the East, you still got to deal with Georgia and Kentucky primarily that want to establish the line of scrimmage. And that's not going to change under their defensive-minded head coaches. So if those are the two teams that you're theoretically looking up at today, just want to say today, not historically, in the SEC East, these are the kind of prospects you need to bring in to combat that type of approach. Uh, but Kelby's got uh, some versatility to his game as well. He's a, he's a very good pass rusher, began his career as more of an outside defensive end edge prospect. So he does bring some fluidity and swiftness to his game along with some technique, but now he's bulked up and become this really well-proportioned and well-distributed interior prospect at you know, 275, 280 or so right now uh, that really can wreck the game from the inside out. So I, I really like that positional projection, the versatility that he brings, but most importantly, satisfying that big need for Florida in, in a really strong optical way uh, going up into to Gardendale, Alabama to do so. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm asking this question not because I want to make it clear, not because I'm worried about it, but because I've had listeners comment about it literally since he committed. <laughs> Is he a flip candidate to Alabama because, I mean, you know, you spoke about it last week. You were like, hey, never count Nick Saban out. Kelly sure. just committed. Is he a flip candidate? I mean, can can you get, can you your audience enjoy the commitment? It hasn't yeah. even been three, four days. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, sure. It, the answer doesn't <laughs> matter right now is, is kind of my point uh, to it. Look, everyone's a flip candidate until they're not, right? Until you sign in December – you're a flip candidate in theory, right? There, there are flips that are easy to see, and there are others that are huge surprises and come out of nowhere and everything in between. So, yeah, sure, this is a flip candidate, but so so are in-state recruits. So are other guys that grew up wanting to be Gators and, and vice versa. So it, it's really – there's really never a right time to dig into that, but right after the commitment definitely feels like – it's not the best time, but, but yeah, of course you worry about that at the end of the cycle. But if you're a locked in Florida Gator fan who follows recruiting every day, anyway, you're already keeping an eye on Alabama's class, the numbers, who they have on the defensive interior, you know, relative to, to Florida with Kelby Collins. So you're already paying attention to those things. So yeah, just like Clemson's worried about, you know, Peter Woods, Penn state was worried about Tamarian Parker. Yeah. Florida should be worried about Kelby Collins to a degree but not just yet. Like I said, leading up to this commitment, the, the kid wanted to be at Florida. I think that was clear. Um, yes, his dad's a big Bama fan. And sure, there's a lot of in-state pressure for him to, to, to end up there. But again, I was told in terms of just the kid's preference, just based on the visits, I was told Florida and South Carolina were probably the two schools most likely to grab him. So there was already a sense of going against the grain internally with this kid from the jump. Um, this isn't your 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 typical, I want to grow up playing an Iron Bowl kid. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but this this kid has always felt more against the grain, really from the jump. From the first time we met him as a freshman, you felt a little bit of outside the boxness, if that's a phrase, with Kelby Collins. And I think this is, you know, part of, of that expectation coming true. And I do think he sticks to that in the end versus going, you know, going back to Alabama. But yeah, it's it's always a possibility. I mean, business is business. Uh, premium position players are premium position players and obviously geography is geography, right? So yeah, you, you keep it on the back burner, but you certainly don't move it to the front anytime soon. 
yeah, that one was just, I was literally like half an hour after the commitment. They were like, oh, is he going to flip to Bama? I was like, guys. Oh, that, that's recruiting in 2022 right there. That, that exact you know, situation. It's so wild. Uh, but then there's a surprise commitment on Saturday afternoon who I'm mad at him, by the way, because I was like, hey, I, I was not home and not able to go live. But I was like, if there, if Will Norman specifically commits, I'm going live. I hit the road to come home. I get on the highway and he commits. So Will Norman from IMG committed to Florida. I mean, you said weeks ago, you're like, look, like this kid at IMG media day, he, he was wearing Gator shorts. He went to Friday Night Lights after that. He was giving other people tours. Like he was clearly someone who wanted to be a Gator or at least was comfortable with the idea of being a Gator. And his commitment came kind of out of, not out of nowhere, but he didn't have a scheduled commitment. What it's impossible. He was like, look, there's a lot of defensive line smoke right now for the Florida Gators. I should commit and secure my spot in this class before there's too many people. That's a great point. I, I do think, you know, look, when you're an IMG kid and you're a multi-year IMG kid, you are well versed in the business of recruiting. Uh, and, and we all know that there are limited spots, finite spots for every school and every single position, even with big fish out there. So that could be something in terms of his timeline and in making that decision. But yeah, in terms of where he wanted to go, it's felt like Florida for such a long time. Again, at FNL, you'd have thought he was a commitment. I mean, he was, he was doing more than, you know, Marcus Stokes, who was doing a lot on his own. So yeah, I, I do think that he he's wanted to be a Gator for a long time. He, he allowed Tennessee and Arkansas to, to provide some due diligence and a counter to, to that Florida angle, but really this has been Florida's race to lose for some time. So it's still important that they did grab him, um, even though it was a surprise from a timeline perspective. And, and yeah, look, again, you need interior depth on defense. I mean, it's just, we'll say it probably for the next year. You, you just need that when you're, you're trying to reestablish a culture that really wasn't about physicality. It was about a little bit more finesse. So when you're trying to rebrand in that, in that regard, that's where it starts. So I do think that's an important part of this verbal commitment. He's a bit of a counter to Kelby Collins, who's this versatile outside in interior guy. I think Norman is more of a classic three tech inside out wide, lower body type of player who can win with leverage and, and free up some space for other pass rushers and or linebackers thereafter. Same thing he's going to, he's been doing at IMG, you know, he's, he's going to be asked to do there at Florida. Uh, and, and that's another important part, you know, that whole IMG curse stuff is, really behind this Florida fan base at this point, but st it's still big to get another IMG prospect on board. You've got one now on the O-line and the D-line simultaneously. Those are two great position groups to have some orange and blue represented within every day in, in, in those meetings and, and leading up to the season where they'll be, you know, one of the best teams in the country when all is said and done. So a bit of a surprise, but still important get for Florida, both positionally and, and certainly when it comes to, to that pipeline perspective with, with IMG Academy attached. And we're about to take a look at the Sunday commits because, like I said, it was a busy weekend. But first, a quick word from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. You know, I said this yesterday. I like to think I'm an open book and uh, they sponsored kind of touches home with me because I lost a teammate of mine from high school uh, in 2021. And yeah, because of this, it's drunk driving. So if you're hanging out with some friends and you're putting back a few drinks and a few becomes a few too many, 
as the evening comes to an end and people start heading home, you're like, do I need to call an Uber? Which you should, by the way. You're an idiot if you don't. And if you can't afford an Uber, you can't afford to go out drinking. I'll say that. Um, so you're like, no, I live nearby. I could drive home. I can make it home fine. It's more than just you if you can make it home fine. It's if people that are in your path can make it home fine. So no drinking, no driving, or no drinking and driving. We'll say the results are tragic and often deadly. That still doesn't stop idiots from doing it, but that's what they do. So don't drive, don't get behind the wheel when you're under the influence. Police officers are out there looking for impaired drivers on the roads to save lives, not just to be like, oh, I can, I can hit my quota. No, they're trying to save lives out here. So drive sober or get pulled over. We're back with Locked On Gators. Joining me still is John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting and Locked On's Recruiting Insider. And we're talking about the Sunday commitments because, again, busy, busy weekend. Florida, they, they kind of like, they had a strong end of July that last weekend. Then they took a weekend off from just having a bunch of commits. And then they were like, hey, right back at it. Um, so Sunday saw Cameron James commit to the Florida Gators. Uh, defensive lineman out of Olympia, like you mentioned last week, he's he's kind of a late riser. Does that kind of impact how his recruitment went in the fe- in the sense of Florida going, look, we've got Will Norman, we've got Kelby Collins, we've got TJ Searcy, all guys who can contribute early on. Let's add someone, Cameron James, who maybe won't contribute early on, but can be a contributor down the line. What's the feel with him and his fit in this recruiting class? That's that's a really great point. Look, we know volumes are important in, in, in overhauling this defensive line from, but you need some variance. Exactly what I was going to say. You need some guys who not only skill set wise are a little bit different, but even the timeline for when they're going to jump in. I know we always talk about that at quarterback and certain positions where it's it's more glaring. But you need that at every single position. So there's there's really no risk in taking a flyer on a, a kid who the floor might not be great, but man, the ceiling could, could be phenomenal here before all is said and done. This is a kid who, yeah, maybe doesn't play early on, um, but but you've got pass rushers in this class. Searcy, a big fan of Isaiah Nixon. Like you've got some pass rushers on board. You're in the mix for for a few more that are still uncommitted. This, this is your stash stash player, right? In the NBA draft, you, you hear this international guy being called, uh, like, they're like, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and you're like, who the hell is that? And then three years from now, you're like, oh, crap, that was him. Uh, this isn't quite that one-to-one ratio, but in terms of what he could be, and there is a basketball tie here because he plays it, that could be something down the line for Florida. Or he accelerates and goes crazy as a senior and then he's ready to go day one. And then you look that much smarter anyway, but there was, there was an urgency in this recruitment to jump in, right? Georgia jumped in, uh, Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, this became an all sec battle almost overnight this spring. So I think for him to commit this early was really big for Florida because if he kept playing and kept getting eyeballs on him, it was only going to lead to more opportunities. Do the Texas schools get involved? What about Oregon, the West Coast? And it becomes this huge Ohio State. It becomes this huge national deal that's just much harder to win. But identifying him early, pushing early, really through the spring months and getting a bunch of visits out of it created almost an insurmountable lead for the Gators in this recruitment. And it was very timely uh, because he didn't really get to explore the entire country. I think he went to Georgia twice, maybe Auburn once, and that was kind of it. Uh, so I do think that was advantageous for Florida and uh, a little bit lucky. And, and now he, he wants to commit early and, and kind of be done with the process. And I think that's really great 
for the Gators. Another win in Orlando, which is really important. That's becoming and Tampa and Orlando like do this where they fluctuate between one another. And this year it feels like Orlando has more juice than Tampa. So to win a lot of these battles uh, and continue to contend for, for some others, I think is really important for Florida. That has to be, that has to be your Metro. If you're a Gators fan, doesn't mean you win them all. You're not, you know, Malik Bryant, you know, Derek LeBlanc. I mean, we'll see on that one, Um, but you've got to win most of the big ones. And and I think when you start to look at this entire crop, you go Mizell, Castell, now Cameron James, you start to be like, okay, like Florida's doing Jakeem Jackson, who who we love. Now you're like, okay, Florida's doing really well in Orlando. We knew about Duval. Tampa's always going to be just because it's so close, always going to be strong for Florida, but you need Orlando to be that kind of, you know, supplemental area to pull from because it's going to be harder to recruit in South Florida. Um, and obviously when you go out of state, Alabama, Georgia, it's, it's always tough to recruit there. So Orlando has got to be a stronghold for Florida to get back to what we expect the Gators to be uh, at the highest level. So I think that's another big part of this, uh, this commitment. And, and again, it's part of the reason why you want it because Florida was really the first program to, to hit the gas and accelerate for Cameron James. And obviously it paid off, on the back end. So so that type of process moving forward, I think will be really big for UF in that Metro. But again, it solidifies really what's becoming a pretty big defensive line haul for Florida. But there's a lot of variance in size, skill set and trajectory in terms of when these guys might be ready to play. And that alone is also very important in trying to to rebuild this thing in Gainesville. Yeah. And I mean, we just spoke about Cameron James, who isn't going to be or likely won't contribute for a couple of years. Now we're going to talk quickly about a player who can't contribute for a couple of years in Miles Graham, 2024 linebacker. And obviously any analysis of him is relatively premature. He's still a very young kid, but how important is it for Billy Napier to land his first 2024 commit at this time and to have it be a legacy who right now is ranked higher than every 2023 commit that Florida has? I think the legacy part really says a lot uh, about this this early verbal commitment. So easy for fans to overlook that um, and say, oh, well, he's a legacy. He was coming anyway. Like That is not always the case, uh, especially when you look at Graham's offer lists and some of the schools that were really pushing for him or even early on. Uh, I thought that was a really big deal for him to try to end the process at this point. Uh, I was a little bit surprised that it came this early, but I know it's about as welcome a surprise as Florida fans uh, could have expected at, at this time. So you want to kick it off in state with a legacy. It's like perfect, right? If only he was a quarterback, I think that would be like the last part of it. But, you know, DJ Lagway, these guys are still out there. Um, but this is exactly how you want to start. You want a name. You want it to be something notable to where even amidst this this red hot run, which might be the best in the country right now, by the way, that Florida's on in 23, to get a 24 commit that moves the needle would be hard for most programs to do because of the run that you're on in the middle of 2023. But yet Graham still moved the needle. He still pulled in some, some, some of those clicks and headlines and all of that. I think that says a lot about perception and, and where people are starting to view Florida Uh which is amazing because two months ago it was like panic time, you know, not for us, but for a lot of fans, panic time. What's going on? Can Billy do this? There's like memes about him. Um, yeah, it's it's going quite well 
uh, after that point, um, and, and things are looking great in, in 24 now for Florida, which is always important because, look, it's going to be another strong year in state. Uh, there's a whole lot of secondary back, you know, back seven players that are going to be very, very, very highly thought of. So to get one back seven guy on board early with a known name, uh, I think is going to be really big because now the season's here. So he'll be in Gainesville. He'll be talking to other guys, and it certainly will help to build uh, this this class of 2024, which you know will be another one that we overreact to uh, when things aren't great uh, and underreact to, I guess, when when things are are looking better. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to get another 2024 commit for a few months. People are going to go, oh, we suck again. Like, it's just going to go right back to it. Uh, we're about to talk about some flip candidates for the 2023 class. But first, a quick word from Bet Online. Think the Florida Gators are going to win seven or more games this year? Think they're going to win seven or less games this year? The win total with Bet Online right now for the Florida Gators is set at seven. Bet Online's your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. I've been using Bet Online for five to six years now, almost six years now. Couldn't be happier with it. It's got football, baseball, basketball, soccer, hockey, tennis, table tennis, darts. Um, I was going to say ping pong, same thing as table tennis. I do that all the time. Uh, it's got cricket. You can bet on anything. You can bet on the economy. You can bet on politics. You can bet on if aliens are going to invade the earth and which country will get invaded first. Like That's how in-depth you can go with bet online so don't miss out head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn all about the trends and action check out bet online it's where the game starts now we're back to wrap up today's show with john garcia from sports illustrated's director of football recruiting and lockdowns recruiting insider we're talking flips because uh billy has he's he's quietly been working on quite a few flips you know we saw it with marcus stokes we've seen it with Quite a few guys. Now. I mean, depending on how you classify a flip, if it's immediate or you know somewhere down the line after a decommit, Andy Jean. I, I know I'm I'm still torn on what I even want to consider it, but we're talking about people who were committed or are committed to another school and are Florida Gators candidates. And we're starting off with this one that's been in my YouTube comments a little bit, was in the Discord. Francis Maui Goa, who Florida was in on until the last few days. We know at that point, Florida was like, we're not getting him. Uh, but there's a little rumors of him possibly decommitting from Miami. And again, I don't know if it's Florida propaganda or whatever it is, but what's the latest on Francis Maui Goa? Well, look, when you're one of the best O-linemen in the country, you, your phone's going to continue to ring. Uh, and that's happened with Francis to, to the surprise of nobody. He confirmed as much to me just a couple weeks ago. Uh, and he says he's been respectful with the new, with these coaching staffs that are, are still coming in. Uh, he, he didn't really want to go on the record about uh, the schools specifically, but yeah, we would assume that that list begins with the schools that were in contention for the original commitment. So Florida, Tennessee, Alabama, Oregon, USC, you'd expect those schools to be kind of the first in line uh, to, to have this conversation. And we talked about it earlier, huge need for Florida uh, at that at that position, just O-line in general from a talent and tackle perspective, from a volume perspective, big need for the Gators going forward. So no surprise that they would continue to push for Maui Goa, who again has multiple teammates now committed to the Gators. Uh, and I think, you know, in terms of the decommitment rumors, I haven't heard anything tangible on that front just yet. Like, hey, this is happening. But again, you expect a kid from the West Coast, American Samoa, actually further west, um, with a true national offer list, you, you expect some schools to stay in that race. 
So I wouldn't be surprised if Florida was one of those programs. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe he takes a visit and, and you go from there. And I think that's really the next point to keep an eye on from both the Florida and Miami perspective. You know, d- does he get out on some visits? He's at IMG where it's sometimes tough to do that. So don't get distracted uh, if early on he doesn't, right? They play a national schedule flying all over the country. So it's hard for those guys sometimes to make visits, but you've got bye weeks. You've got a few local games as well where they can go in state and, and check out maybe some some Gators, some Canes, some Seminole games at, at that point. So it will be interesting to keep an eye on on that front with Maui Goa, especially again now with two commitments uh headed to uf in the trenches uh so i think that will be quite fascinating and we'll just kind of further this miami versus florida narrative the whole img narrative it's really fascinating to, to keep an eye on but look he's him and samuel and pemba are the big fish in, in this class of 23 at img uh and and both miami and florida want both of them simultaneously and and you know everything in between so that will be fascinating to track basically all the way through yeah, and with Francis Mauego, I'm also a little bit curious about this because uh, he was on the SI99. I believe he was the 14th player or, or somewhere in that range. Uh, but he's listed as an interior offensive lineman. So is, is he one of those guys where we talk about him as a high school offensive tackle where we see with the NFL draft all the time? You know, this guy played tackle in college. He's going to be in, a guard in the NFL. Is that what we're looking at with Francis Mauego potentially? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I like to give guys the benefit of the doubt. Um, but when I can rank you the number four OT or the number one interior guy, you know, let's push for that number one ranking, right? So he's the number one interior offensive lineman uh, in the entire country for us at Sports Illustrated. And it's not a knock on his ability to play tackle. We think, I mean, we'll see him play tackle this fall at IMG. He'll play left tackle. I think he's probably a right tackle in college. Um, but if, if to me, that is where my brain goes first, I'm going to think about you as an interior prospect because I just think you provide more value as a swing candidate who can, in a pinch, play left tackle, solidify the right tackle spot, and then maybe play left or right guard in between. To me, it's a promotion of versatility. And with Maui Goa, he's you know he's not six six with the longest arms in the in, in the country like a Samson Okunlola or one of these other guys. So I just think when you start stacking them up, Caden Proctor, some of these other you know longer prospects, he just has a bit more classical fit as a right tackle or interior prospect. And again, it's not a knock. It's actually an indication of his athleticism, his footwork, uh, his mobility to get to the second level. He's a great pull and attack player. Those things just push you more towards an inside uh, interior projection. And, and look, those guys go top 10 in the draft too. So it's not, not a huge knock, but for us, we feel like compared to the other top tackles in the country, he's a little bit more physically suited to play on the right side or on the interior down the line. And, um, you know, he hasn't cursed me out yet for, for ranking him <laughs> as an interior guy. So we'll, we'll keep him, uh, keep him at bay in that regard. Yeah. No interior offensive line, not a bad thing. I mean, sure. Quentin Nelson got drafted incredibly early just a few years ago. Yeah. And I mean, Florida's best offensive lineman is Osiris Torrance. He's a guard. Like, so we're, we're cool with interior offensive linemen here. Does any line help, but there's another, again, I don't know how you want to classify him as a flip, but Dijon Johnson is who, Florida has been kind of leading on since July 30th, I believe it was, when he, de- when he decommitted from Ohio State. What's the latest on Dijon and his recruitment status? Yeah, that was um, at FNL. That was certainly the most buzzworthy topic. Uh, <laughs> talked to him a little bit off the record. And, you know, he, he had all the attention that, that you would expect for him to have at, at FNL. Decommits just a day or so later. And, and really, it was always a point of – 
who's really involved when, when it when it talk when it comes to Dijon, uh, and I think that is still out there. That still remains to be seen to to a certain level. There was some Miami smoke, and there was talk of a Miami visit that was going to happen, uh, and then there was also talk about other programs getting involved. Right, Alabama threw him an official offer on August first. Other programs, you know, are trying to get involved uh, to this degree. Ohio State sent him an official offer as well. There was some talk that maybe he would recommit to, to the Buckeyes. So there's still a lot of fluctuation with this thing. And I think it's causing a little bit of pause in his timeline. Um, so next step, where does he take visits to? Is he back in the swamp? Is he down in Miami? Does he get up to Bama, another school we're not talking about? I think there's there's an opportunity for due diligence because I believe he only took one or two official visits in the summer. So that could open the door for more trips down the line. But there's no doubt and I, I say all that to say this, there's no doubt that Florida is the primary contender here. Um, his bond with Corey Raymond has grown considerably. And obviously for any corner, that's a really big deal. Like let's not undersell that. Um, he's a priority for Corey. He knows that there are some circumstantial elements to, to this recruitment where he is a little bit more apt to stay closer to home as you know, he's a Tampa kid. So going to Columbus, Ohio, became something that you know was a little bit of a strain relative to his personal circumstance so you start to put all those things together and yeah florida and maybe miami become the most you know clear options for him but until he gets back down to coral gables you got to feel really good about florida's chances whenever you know dd wants to make that decision yeah and then uh it's it's been two weeks since there's someone someone jumping the gun about his commitment so there's there's that's always there's good. also <laughs> that which you yeah know, that's its own thing and we'll see how that affects everything but yeah that's that's the other side of it that's really unfortunate for him but again it's 2022 and everyone wants to be first so things happen yeah want to be first even if you're just horribly wrong but um there, there's one more guy to talk about another former big 10 commit someone where i don't know if billy napier has a personal issue with James Franklin and Penn State, but Tamarian Parker has decommitted from Penn State. Florida is kind of the team that was always with him. They they took Marcus Stokes from Penn State. Trayon Webb told Wilt Fong, he's like, yeah, I'm going to commit to Penn State. And then he didn't, and he came to Florida. So I don't know if it's a personal vendetta, but what's the latest on Tamarian Parker? Yeah, Trayon's uh, pretty media, media savvy at this point. There's some <laughs> troll in his game, and and I respect that part, especially relative to that uh, prediction module that they got going on over there. But yeah, Tamarian is, look, a really great recruit, first of all, a modern edge prospect, state champion runner-up last year, who we got to see in person a bunch at Central Phoenix City, which is a school where Florida's had traction for some guys. They were in it for Carmelo English. They were certainly in it for A.J. Harris. Uh, so there's a sense that Florida can get back in it with Tamarian Parker, who, you know, admittedly he he popped early. You know, he he it was a surprise when he picked Penn State because Auburn was involved, Georgia, Florida, a lot of schools kind of locally and semi-locally were were fighting for this kid. And then boom, Penn State loved the official, got him on the commitment list, which was which was great. But there was a sense there that hey, th this thing's gonna continue on, especially with some of the other edge dominoes falling the way they have in this class of 23. So now the approach shifts way back to SEC country. And, and yeah, Florida is going to be at the forefront of it. We mentioned that there's a big pass rusher group already committed with Searcy and Nixon and these guys, but P Parker 
would create some some different you know approaches from this group and and like secondary players uh, you can't have enough edge players you can't have enough pure pass rushers um we've confirmed recently that auburn's not going to be in it don't know how alabama's going to reciprocate that so you, you know you start with the in-state schools and then you you expand out from there so with the unknown from the alabama perspective and the known from the auburn perspective yeah florida tennessee georgia become the three schools for me that that start to make the most sense uh so we'll see how long he takes i don't know if he's looking to make another decision quickly uh typically you know it, it goes one way or the other something immediate or you really take your time. I get the sense he's going to take visits in, check out some games, and kind of live it up a little bit before making this final call, a little due diligence. You wonder if Penn State gets back back in the mix down the line as well, and then he'll make his final decision. So, yeah, another Alabamian. Again, we expect Florida to pluck a few big ones from Alabama every single cycle, and Tamarian Parker would, would certainly be that. Um, but I think there's still – something you know to, to be had in his recruitment still some some twists and turns maybe there uh, ahead all right and that about does it for today john we're gonna have you back tomorrow so we'll see you soon <laughs> this is john garcia sports illustrator's director of football recruiting locked on's recruiting insider find him on twitter at john garcia underscore jr and find him all across the locked on college channel except locked on kids don't check them out Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with more John Garcia. And if you haven't checked the community tab, and if you're not in the Discord server, which, by the way, link is down below, join it. And we're I'm taking names. Whoever wants a recruit talked about, we will try to get to that recruit tomorrow with John Garcia. Make your second listen Lockdown SEC hosted by Chris Gordy of Sports 790. Get the best coverage or the best conference, including the best university, University of Florida, right there. And for Locked On Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E and I any sports. Find video work coming out today with Whole Nine Sports and more written work with Giants Country of SI.com. And I'll see you all tomorrow.